Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we are going to talk about the thrill and the terror of being in charge of our own fate. Then we've got a craft and fame about doing a little before you do a lot. And in Hits and Bombs, Sarah's going to try not to cry when she talks about her hit, (laughs) and I have an embarrassing bomb. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack is about what you bring to the party. Literally. (laughs) But Liz, first we have an update. Of course, we have to do our weekly updates telling everyone to watch Fantasy Island on Monday at 8, 7 Central on Fox. Yes, but very exciting for us. We are moving on March 6th to 9 p.m. on Monday after the show 911, which is great for us because 911 is a terrific lead in. Yes. So we're really excited about it. So until March 6th, we're on at 8 Eastern, March 6th and onward, we're at 9 Eastern. And of course, we'll be reminding everybody of this every week. Yes. And we are also prepping a behind-the-scenes segment on Episodes 4, 5, and 6. So if you have any questions or comments about Episodes 4, 5, and 6, all the the behind-the-scenes goodness, send us an email to happierinhollywood at gmail.com, or you can just post in our Facebook group. Just search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook, and there will be. Yes, and for people who aren't counting, that's the one where the women go to Miami. It's the one where the kids get off the plane with the urn, (laughs) and it's the time loop love story episode. Yes. Okay, Liz, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's controlling our own fates, which is both thrilling and totally terrifying. Yes. So most things we do in television we do not have a lot of control over our own fate. There are many other people and layers of other people deciding whether or not a show goes. I mean, yes, giving notes, but that's kind of the least of it. It's really that ultimately we have no control over whether a pilot gets made, whether it gets picked up, whether a show gets another season. And we're just used to that. That's how our whole career has been. Yes. Well, and it starts so much earlier than that. I mean, it really starts with networks and studios deciding what kind of projects they're interested in and what kind of lean the various networks are taking at a certain point in time. Are they going more toward women in a certain age group or men from a certain age group? Are they trying to increase their audience somewhere? Like, is it blue skies? Is it is it apocalyptic? Is it yeah. like, you know? Yeah. So literally from before we even begin, there are other people deciding huge decisions that then affect us. And then through the entire process. Yeah. 
we're collaborating with lots and lots and lots of people on every element of what we're doing. Yes, because we also have to answer for the budget. So that's a big, we don't set the budget much as we would like to. (laughs) Other people are deciding how much we can spend, which then impacts the creative, of course. Yes. So it's a big collaboration, which we love. We love working with everybody. It's a lot of fun and very gratifying. However... There is something frustrating about it. Yes. And well, it's more that, well, it certainly can be frustrating, but it's more like that we just can't just creatively and artistically just do whatever we think is the best thing. Yes. And well, or even do it, Sarah. I mean, <laughs> right. There's the creative, and then there's just yeah. the idea that you can actually execute. Right. You don't have power over that. And now, as we've mentioned on the podcast, we are working on a novel together, a thriller. And what we were realizing over the last several days is, oh my gosh, we are in complete control of this book on all levels. Yes. And the liberation is so, like, it's very empowering. It's exciting. It's really fun. Like, I think we both feel really freed creatively, emotionally, like all of these things to just explore and do whatever we want. Yes, we're only answering to each other. And what's also thrilling is, okay, then of course, you know, you go, well, but you have to sell it and someone else is in control of that. But we went, you know what, if no one buys this book, we can self-publish. Yes, we can. So worst <laughs> case scenario, we can self-publish. Yes. So we are really in control. Not worst, I shouldn't say worst case scenario. I should say, alternatively, if we don't sell, we publish it ourselves. Right. I just want to uh, bring up something that you told me recently, which is Verity, which is a huge hit, was originally self-published. Yes, absolutely. But Sarah, there is a however to this. Indeed. Which is, I find it terrifying to be the ones in control of our fate. (laughs) Totally, because... I mean, we think we're good at what we do. I think objectively we're good at what we do, but it's still like, you know, we could really screw this up. Well, and we have to actually do it. (laughs) You and I do really well with a deadline. If someone, you know, a voice from the sky says, Liz and Sarah, you must have a document done at 5 p.m. on Tuesday, it will be done. It will be done at 4.59. That's right. But... (laughs) We are less good at just working without a deadline. Yes. So essentially, we do well with some sort of boss figure. Even though we are the boss often, we still have powers that be that we're answering to. But now we have to be our own bosses and like whip us ourselves into shape. Yes. And I think that's helped by two things. One, we're super excited about what we're doing. We do so love we it. actually really want to like think about it and work on it and focus on it. It doesn't feel like drudgery, you know? It's really like every day, all day, we're going, oh, what about this? Oh, what about that? Right. And then the second thing is we've decided because, you know, we're doing a lot of things. We're busy. We have a, another project we're super excited about. So we've decided that we are dedicating at least an hour a day to our book. And that, I think, will make a big difference. An hour a day, you know, that's a lot. Gretchen, my sister and co-host of Happier with Gretchen Rubin, always says that we overestimate what we can get done 
and we underestimate what we can get done in a certain amount of time. (laughs) And it's like we underestimate how much you can get done working on something an hour a day. Yes, absolutely. And it's that consistency because it, it does feel very daunting. I mean, we've Although we have actually written books together before, it was a young adult book, which is just different. And it wasn't as sort of intricately plotted, I would say, as this is going to be. And this is something totally new for us. So it's daunting. But yes, in working in small increments, it makes it less daunting. In general, I think it keeps us like feeling more creative in all arenas. Absolutely. That's the thing. Creativity feeds creativity. So yeah, 100%, I think it it keeps the juices flowing, as they say. Creativity feeds creativity and is going to be my new uh, familiarity breeds familiarity, which our friend Nancy always says. Yes. (laughs) All right. So, Sarah, we're going to be, I'm sure, talking a lot about the book as we go on this unknown journey together, Thelma and Louise style, alt ending Thelma and Louise style. So we'll be talking about it a lot. And coming up, we are going to discuss why you should do a little before you do a lot. But first is break. Okay, it is time for the craft and fame because writing is an art, but it's also a craft. And today we're talking about the idea of doing a little before you do a lot. And this came out of us getting notes recently on an outline for a TV project we're working on. Yes, and the notes were really good, which is always nice. But there was one note that was bigger than the other notes and could have gone in a couple different directions. So we decided the best way to move forward was instead of doing a tremendous amount of work on like two options or picking ourselves or was just to have a quick phone call and say, this is what we're thinking. These are the two choices before we put a tremendous amount of work into going down a road. Yes. So in the past, we might have figured out, okay, if we're going to call and sort of pitch our fix, let's figure out beat for beat what we will be doing. But, you know, experience now has taught (laughs) us we're better off just saying, what is the core story? Yeah. We have two different directions. Where are we all landing on these directions? And then once you know that, the specific beats are usually don't matter. You know, it's like, as we say, it's really the overall emotional story you're telling that matters. And what was really reinforcing about doing this was when we pitched these two directions, first of all, there was a, everyone agreed on the direction we should go, which was the direction we liked, but we weren't sure everybody else would like it. And then two, they had sort of a note on the note. They were like, well, and let's see this dynamic in the relationship as we go through the episode, which was like, oh, yeah, of course, we need that dynamic, which then impacted how we went back and did do the beat for beat of the note. Yeah. And I think another good thing about it is we were really talking about it conceptually before the call. So we had a very clear sense of like, conceptually, if we go this way, these are the benefits, these are the potential drawbacks. Conceptually, if we go this way, these are the benefits, these are the potential drawbacks. And we could 
enunciate that very clearly. Yes. And I mean, one thing we know from many years in the room is <laughs> if you can't state an idea clearly, it might mean there's something wrong with it. Right. So <laughs> in sort of having to present an idea, again, doing a little before you do a lot, you're forced to clarify in your own mind, as you're saying, what you want to do, which is very helpful when you're moving forward. Very helpful. And we saved hours. Oh, we could have spent hours and hours and hours on this. Instead, we talked about it. We had a 10 minute call with everybody else. And now we're launched and we feel really positive about the direction we're going. It could have been just a drag. Yes. And it's hard because a lot of times you feel like well, I should be doing more. I should be doing more at this stage. But we were ultimately able to do more faster by sort of taking a small bite before we took the big bite. Yeah. And I think also you feel like, well, I don't want to bother other people. Oh, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to take up their time. That's true. In fact, TV is a collaboration and it's really better to work as a team, not just the team you and me, but like the bigger team on kind of decisions that affect an entire story. Yes. Well, and it's nice because then everybody gets invested in the story. Yes. Which is so important. Yes. It's great when everybody feels like they have a hand in it. So anyway, we're off to script. That's the good news. I know. We're actually starting today. Like we had the conversation before the weekend and now we are diving in. It's very exciting. Yep. But before we dive in, Liz, let's talk about our hits and bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And I will start... And I am going to be very non-emotional. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Okay, so Violet had her first school dance. Aww. And she was so excited. A boy asked her. Mm. was like just like the sweetest, most exciting <laughs> thing. And her nanny's daughter-in-law is a hairstylist, and she's also really good at makeup. So she said, like, have Violet come over. She spent, like, hours doing her hair and doing her makeup and, like, gave her, like, little appropriate for, you know, a tween um, cat eyes and, like, this beautiful braid crown. And just she made Violet feel so special and like made this occasion, which is a big deal in her life, you know, made it into something really special. She will remember that forever. Forever. And also she looked so adorable. She really And she like, you know, she's very like, I wear black, but she wore like a pink top. (laughs) (laughs) She just looked so so cute. And like when we got there, her friends like raced over and we're like, oh my God, you know, I mean, it was just like, so it was a defining thing. I mean, it's something that really, you know, in the Inside Out movie, how there are those certain particular memories that are special ones. That's one. Connie made that one of those. So it was like, oh. And it's very Hollywood, Sarah, to get your glam done. When oh, you're, I know. Violet has a glam, her glam team. Totally. I was thinking about Rihanna before the Super Bowl, and I was like, yeah, Violet just did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, big hit to Cotty for coming through. Yeah. And, like, truly, Violet will remember that her whole life. I have no Always. doubt. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Sarah, I've got a bomb for myself (laughs) related to the Super Bowl. So as we all know, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs. For people who are not from Kansas City, I don't think you could possibly understand what a big deal the Chiefs are. I mean, even when they're not in the Super Bowl, right? Every single (laughs) Sunday during football season when there's a game, the whole city dresses in red. So it was a big deal that they were in the Super Bowl. And my bomb is, despite what a big deal this football thing is for our hometown, and despite the fact that I've been to football games and they've been on in the background, of course, my entire life, I have no idea (laughs) what is going on in a football game. So I can be there. I can be watching. I know nothing. I mean, I understand there are these four downs and hopefully it leads to a touchdown, but like, I don't understand what's out of bounds, incomplete passes, interference, hunting, offsides. (laughs) I don't know what the quarterback does compared to a tight end. So it really feels sacrilege because it really is such a big deal for Kansas City. And I am excited for everyone. I was wearing red socks. And when I went for a walk, I wore red gloves. So I'm like, okay, that's nice. And I wore a Kansas City t-shirt yesterday. Yes. But it wasn't red. So anyway, at some point, I I mean, Adam has tried to explain it to me. Like, I'll (laughs) say, because he'll be like, oh, ooh. And I'm like, did something, was that good for us or bad for us? You know, I have no idea. And he's like, well, he's trying to explain and I I don't know. So I'm giving myself a bomb for that. It's not the most profound bomb, but it is something. The thing about it is I know I'm denying myself some pleasure. Because I'm sure I would enjoy it more if I understood what was happening. I don't know. I have to say, I feel like you should get a lot of credit for watching the game. I mean, you watched the whole game. You wore red. You did like the yeah. appropriate Kansas I, I was City reading support. at the same time, but <laughs> but I was there. You know, I mean, you you put in the effort, and not everybody knows all the ins and outs of football. I certainly don't. I know what a two-point conversion is, and that's literally all I know. Well, that's a lot more than I know. I mean, but I was talking to you at one point, and you were yelling and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I get excited, but I don't know what I'm getting excited about. By the way, even though I had no idea what was going on, I was so stressed, nonetheless. Even not knowing what was going on, I was just like in a state of stress for like the entire game. Yes. So, but it was fun. So congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs, our hometown team. It is very exciting. And especially congrats to Patrick Mahomes, who's MVP. Yes. And who everybody in Kansas City says is so nice. Yes, so nice. You got to love that. Yes. Okay, next up, we have a Hollywood hack that's all about having your party thing. But first is break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack, which is have a go-to recipe that's a little extra. So this came out of you having to go to events and bring something. We all often are asked to bring something to a party or an event. 
And you have decided that you have your go-to. Yes, I have my thing. And I like, it's always stressful, I find, to be like, okay, what am I going to bring? I'm going to do this. I'm going to try a new recipe. What if it doesn't turn out? All this stuff. So now I've decided my go-to is a pavlova with homemade whipped cream and really delicious fresh berries. It's not just like a cake. There's something a little special about it. And it's not an everyday thing, but it's going to be my thing. So it's like an <laughs> elevated, it's it's a bit elevated. Sarah, I have to tell you, I have no idea what a pavlova is. What is it? Oh, okay. Well, this we talked about, I mentioned our friend Nancy earlier. Our friend Nancy, 20-something years ago, made a pavlova that I have never forgotten. Okay. <laughs> She's made pulled, she made pulled pork that I've never forgotten. Yes. Also that. And it's basically a meringue that you bake very, very slowly in a circle with a little divot in the middle. And it becomes crunchy on the outside and marshmallowy on the inside. And then you can make like a cream or a custard to put in it, which Nancy does, or you can make a homemade whipped cream, which I do, and then just lots and lots of fruit. Okay. And they're so good. Okay. So So good. So you're not saying everyone should make a pavlova, although they can if they like. You're saying pick one go-to thing that is a bit different um, so people are excited about it and possibly a bit elevated and then... You always know you're going to create a stir with your item that you're bringing. Yes, but you don't have that stress of every time trying to figure out what you're going to bring. Well, and it gets easier if you do it a bunch of times. I'm sure you'll perfect your pavlova. Absolutely. My pavlova is quite good now. I really (laughs) want to try it. So (laughs) Have us over for dinner. I'll bring one. You will bring it. Okay. Okay, so Sarah, before we go, I have our weekly recommendation. I am recommending a three-part docuseries on Hulu. It is called Stolen Youth Inside the Cult at Sarah Lawrence. And it's about how the father of a Sarah Lawrence student named Larry Ray, although he has many names, uh, aliases, managed to move into a house where his child was living with her friends, and basically take over the lives of a bunch of Sarah Lawrence students and completely rip their lives apart. And it, it's it's just an unbelievable story. Um, so once again, it's called Stolen Youth Inside the Cult at Sarah Lawrence on Hulu. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. 
right, Sarah, here's my question. Do you think they'll cancel school in Kansas City for the Chiefs parade? Hard yes. Yes, I think so. Because <laughs> when the Royals won, when we were in high school, everyone yeah. just left school. So I think well, they— the Chiefs— No, the Royals— but the Chiefs won a couple years ago. Did they cancel school then? Oh, that's a good question. I don't remember. You're going to have to cancel school all the I time. Because the Chiefs are so awesome. <laughs> From the Onward Project.